Happy Father's Day! Welcome to Thrive Church Online. My name is Kathy and I'm going to be your online host for today. If it's your first time here, you are VIP, so let us know by texting NEW at 604-285-5770 and we will mail you your very own Thrive stainless steel water bottle. Parents, don't forget to go to mythrive.info slash online to download the Thrive Kids resource. We love a proactive church, so let's give our dad some love by messaging in the chat room one thing that we think our dad is the best at. I think my dad is the best at working out. How about yours? Are you ready for today's message? I'm now going to pass the time over to Pastor JB, and I will see you all later. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Thrive Church Online. It is so great to have you here. My name is JB. I'm one of the pastors here at Thrive. It gives me great pleasure to welcome you to an amazing Sunday to draw near to God together. It is so great to have you here. If this is your first time, you're what we call our VIP. Everyone say our VIP. And we especially want to welcome you. In fact, we've got a special gift to give just for you. If you could go to mythrive.info and just touch the button that says, I'm new, we'd love to give you your very own Thrive Church stainless steel water bottle just to say we're so glad that you came and joined us for church today. And maybe you want to get to, to, to us by text. You can reach us by texting NEW to 604-285-5770. It is so great to have you here. In fact, we have a saying here at Thrive, which is a welcome is not just what we do, it's who we are. And so with that in mind, we just welcome one another in our chat rooms right now. Would you welcome the people that you're sitting beside watching the service together? Let's welcome our VIPs. Let's just welcome one another right now. Just say, it's so good to have you here. Welcome to church, everybody. Say good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever in the world you're watching the service. Let's welcome one another to church today. Well, in addition to welcoming one another, we have a very special group of people that we want to especially honor and recognize today. Today is Father's Day, and we want to especially honor and celebrate the dads and the granddads and the dads-to-be in this place right now. Uh, and so right now, I want to do this. I, I want to do something special with you guys to honor the dads in this place. Uh, I want to grab my, my cup here, and if you have a cup of coffee or a cup of water or whatever you might, I, I'm, I might just raise a glass right now. If if you don't have a glass, that's okay. Let's make this toast to all the dads together right now. Would you do this with me right now? It's on the screen. Let's read this to our dads in honor of them today. Let's say, dearest dads and grandpas, thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you for all the ways you work hard to provide for, protect, and lead your family. Thank you for all the joy, strength, and stability you bring into our lives. Thank you for all the sacrifice you make for your family's sake. You are so important to us. May God fill your body with strength, your mind with peace, and your heart with hope. May God cause you and your family to thrive in every way. We love you, God loves you, and today we honor you for who you are and and everything you do for us. Happy Father's Day. Can we give all the
the dads in this place a big hand, a big shout right now. Let's just thank God for them. Let's honor them today. If you're sitting beside a dad right now, would you give him a high five or even a hug and just say, I appreciate you so much. Tim, tell them, tell them that right now. Tell them the chat rooms right now. Dads, we appreciate you. Let's thank God for our dads. Let's appreciate our dads on this very special Father's Day. A big, big happy Father's Day to every single dad who's watching online right now. I know that Father's Day is a very special day for many people. I know it can also be a complicated day for people as well, is that maybe you have a strained relationship with your dad, or maybe you lost your dad, or maybe you're a dad who lost someone very dear to you. Maybe you lost uh, someone in your family. Maybe you lost a child. Maybe uh, you lost someone else very, very dear to you who's like a father to you. If that's you, then I, I want to let you know on this very special Father's Day that you have a Heavenly Father who loves you so very much. You have a Heavenly Father who will never leave you or forsake you. And on this very special day, as complicated as the feelings might be, I'm here to let you know that your church family is here for you. If there's way that we, ways that we can pray for you, uh, please feel free to let us know. You can press that button that says, uh, you know, that it's a, you know, a prayer request button. You can let us know, and we would love to be here to pray with you. Uh, we love you. Praise God. The best is yet to come. You know, speaking of our church family, we're looking forward so much to something happening later on today. It is our Thrive Drive Through. Oh, come on, give God a big, big hand for that right now. Today is Drive Through Sunday, and we can't wait to see you. Over these past few months, we've been meeting online and only online, but we miss seeing your faces. We miss seeing you in person. And praise God, with the restrictions starting to be lift, being lifted, we, we thought we would do one special thing, one step toward meeting together the way we used to, is we wanted to see you guys face to face here at the Thrive Church building, what we call the Thrive Center, later on today from 3 to 5 p.m. We're going to be meeting you guys in the parking lot. And we want to give you hot dogs. We want to give you drinks. Let's pass it to you in a very physical distance kind of way, but hopefully it's a chance to see you and uh, just to see you guys face to face after a while of not seeing each other. We'd love to see you there. Make sure you come. Bring your family a very special gift to the dads as we celebrate Father's Day as well. And so make sure you're there. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'll see you at the drive-thru. I'll see you at the drive-thru can't wait can't wait and maybe you don't drive that's okay you can still come maybe you want to come on your bike or your skateboard or your rollerblades or you just want to walk here we would love to see you here can't wait to see you on drive through Sunday lastly before we get the message today I want to remind you of why we exist as a church and for this one because it's Father's Day and since I'm a dad I'm gonna be a bit easy on myself today as well I'm gonna show you our 10,000 AEIOU leader vision statement right now can you show that right now on the screen and here we go let's read this out loud together right now we're going to say here at Thrive Church we exist for five purposes called A-E-I-O-U. A is for alive. It means we're here to worship Jesus. E stands for expectant. It means we're here to grow into Christ-like disciples. I stands for involved. It means we're here to serve God with our talents. O stands for out loud. It means we're here to lead others to Jesus. And U stands for united. It means we're here to love our spiritual family called our church and our dream is to build a church of 10,000 AEIU leaders in the city of Vancouver and around the world. Oh, come on, give God a big, big hand here at this place right now. Would you take one last look? Take one more look. Take one more look at that screen with that vision statement there. Take a good look. I want you to take a good look because I want to test you in just a second. Take a look. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, take it off. Take it off. Here we go. Look at me right now. All right. I want you to say, uh, 
put something in the chat room. It's a little test to see if you know our vision. Are you guys ready? Okay, because you know the, a lot of you guys know the front part, which is A stands for alive. It means to, what does it mean? Would you put that in the chat room right now? A, mean, a stands for alive. Alive means that we're here to, what is it? To worship Jesus. Very good. Those of you who got that, E stands for expectant. It means we're here to what? Would you write that down? What's the verb? What's that action we're here to do? Expectant means that we're here to grow into Christ-like disciples. I stands for involved. It means we're here to write that one word. It is to serve God with our talents. O stands for out loud. It means we're here to, what's that word? To lead others to Jesus. U stands for united. It means we're here to love. Do you put it in the chat room? Write down love in the chat room. We're here to love our spiritual family. And why, why do I mention that today? Is because here as a church, what does AEIU stand for? It stands for alive, expected, involved, allowed, united, even more. It means that we're here to worship Jesus, to grow more like Jesus, to serve Jesus, to lead others to Jesus, and to love our spiritual family. You were called to worship, grow, serve, lead, and love. That's our calling as a church. That's your calling as an individual that God placed on this planet. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Never forget your calling. Would you turn to the people in your chat room beside you and say, never forget your calling. Never forget your calling. That is God's calling. That is God's invitation for you to live your life for a purpose bigger than yourselves. And that is why we're here. No matter how old you get, no matter where you live, the fact is we are called to be A-E-I-O-U. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Right now, I'd like to ask you to take out your Bibles as we have a powerful message to share with you on this very special Father's Day. Why don't you grab your Bibles like this? Maybe it's a paper Bible like mine. Maybe it's a device that you download the Bible into. Why don't you hold up in the air like so right now? And let's make this proclamation together in faith. Just as a fun way to get our hearts ready for the message together right now. We're going to say, this is my Bible. It is God's word. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I open up my heart so that God's word can come in and change my life. And I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you please turn with me to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 35. Exodus chapter 35. If you're wondering where the book of Exodus is, really easy to find. It's the second book in your Bible. Exodus chapter 35. We're doing a series here at Thrive called Exodus Hope for Hard Times. And it's because we believe that the Bible is powerful. It has the power to change our lives and give us hope even in our toughest times. And the book of Exodus is no exception. And uh, if you don't know this already, we're not only studying the book of Exodus every Sunday, but we're actually studying the book of Exodus together as a church every day. Everyone say every day. And what I do is in the mornings, I'll send to you on every day, every morning, we'll send to you an email with a passage from the book of Exodus to read, uh, some thoughts for you to think about based on that passage. And so if you want to get in on that, you can go to mythrob.info and sign up for Pastor JB's Game Time Sharings. We love to study the Bible together, and we'd love to get you involved as well. Well, we have had an amazing time and learned so much through the book of Exodus the past nine weeks together in Exodus Hope for Hard Times. Let me let you know, next week, next Sunday, June 28, will be the final grand finale of Exodus Hope for Hard Times. You do not want to miss it. And so make sure you're here this week, this coming Sunday. Don't just come today, but come next Sunday as well. Turn your name and say, I'll see you next Sunday. 
I'll see you next Sunday. You guys have been awesome at reading uh, together with me. Uh, Once you read one more thing, we're going to read the, the word of God right now. Exodus chapter 35. We're going to read this together. We're going to read 21 verses together. Uh, and you guys are uh, people who love God's word and a proactive church. And so let's be proactive and let's read God's word together. Don't be a spectator today. Why don't you read with me right now. Exodus chapter 35 verses 1 to 21. Read it with me right now. It says, Moses assembled the whole Israelite community and said to them, these are the things the Lord has commanded you to do. For six days, work is to be done, but the seventh day shall be your holy day, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it must be put to death. Do not light a fire in any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins, dyed red, and hides of sea cows, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones, and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastpiece. Verse 10, all who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle with its tent and its covering, clasps, frames, crossbars, posts, and bases, the ark with its poles, and the atonement cover, and the curtain that shields it, the table with its poles, and all its articles, and the bread of the presence, the lampstand that is for light with his accessories, lamps and oil for the light, the altar of incense with its poles, the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, the curtain for the doorway at the entrance of the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering with its bronze grating, its poles and all its utensils, the bronze basin with its stand, the curtains of the courtyard with its posts and bases and the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard, the tent pegs for the tabernacle and for the courtyard and their ropes, the woven garments worn for ministering in the sanctuary, both the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons where they serve as priests. Verse 20, then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence, and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, for all service, and for the sacred garments. See what's going on here in this passage today is that here in Exodus 35, we see Moses commanding the Israelites to start bringing an offering to contribute to building the house of the Lord called the tabernacle. Everyone say the tabernacle. And see, here's the thing, is that it's because God wanted the people to be involved. He made us for our lives to count. And in the same way that the Israelites were made to be involved, you were made to be involved. And I'm here to let you know that you and I, we all have a longing for our lives to matter. We all have a longing for our lives to count. We all were made to make a difference. In fact, the Bible says, just like we learned two weeks ago, is that you are not just a child of God who's forgiven of your sins through the blood of Jesus Christ, but not only are you that, you are also a priest in God's kingdom. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. And as a priest, what does that mean? It means that you were made to serve God with what he's given to you. You were made to serve God, not just for a season, but for a lifetime, your whole life through. And let me tell you, as your pastor, what I want is for you to, I want to see you maximize everything that God has given you for the glory of God, not just for a season, but for the long term. It's because we all want our lives to count. And so that's why today I'm here to share, share with you a very important message. Whether you're a dad or you're a mom or you're you know, a, a child or you're working in the marketplace, you're a stay-at-home parent or you're retired, whatever place you might be in today, this message is for you. Today, I want to talk to you about how you can maximize the impact of of your life instead of just fizzling out. And this message is called, don't fall for it. Would you turn to your neighbors in your chat room, the people are sitting beside and say, don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. Let me tell you what don't fall for it is about. Today we want to talk about four traps 
to avoid when serving God and people. Four ways that you want to uh, make sure that you uh, are serving God effectively as opposed to ineffectively, serving God with joy as opposed to you know begrudgingly or or or, or in, with a lot of fatigue. We want to be people who are effective and who enjoy what we do. If you believe us, say Amen. And see, before we get into the four traps to avoid when serving God and people, I want you to notice this: is when you read the book of Exodus, you're going to find that God is not shy about asking the Israelites to give toward the building of his tabernacle, his house, the house of God. Why is that? It's because, first off, when you give to God's purposes, it's a chance to grow more like God in your attitude and your character. See, the thing I love about God is this, is, and, and, and you see this in Exodus 35, is that as God encourages, invites, even commands the people to contribute to the, the building of his house, is that God will never do something that he himself is not willing to do. God is the greatest leader, and he always leads by example. God will never tell you to do something he himself is not willing to do. That's why John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God is a giver. And because we are his children and he is our father, we are to be givers as well. If you believe that, say amen. Is that when we give toward God's purposes, we imitate our heavenly father. We become more like God, more like Jesus in our character, in our attitude, in our values. We become less self-centered, more God-centered. We become less reliant on ourselves and more reliant on God. That's the first reason why it's so important for us to give to God's purposes. There's a second reason why I want to give to God's purposes. When we give to God's purposes, it's a chance to be blessed yourself. See, the thing about God is this, that God will never give, God will never out, uh, God will never give you, uh, you know, in a way where he shortchanges you. And another, let me say it again, you can never outgive God. Is that whether it's in your finances or it's in your time or the way you use your talents, that you can never outgive God. Whenever you give anything to God, God remembers and he will make sure that you receive even more than what you give. It might not come in exactly the time or the way that you expect, but he always is a God who makes sure that our hands are full of his blessing. Amen. And so you, that's the thing. When you give to God's purposes, it's a chance for you to be blessed. Number three, a third reason why I want to give to God's purposes, is when you give to God's purposes, it delights God's heart. It delights the heart of God. You know, uh, my, my dad um, and I, we have a very interesting relationship. Uh, and I love my dad to death. He loves me a lot. And uh, I can say this is that uh, though he is as accomplished as he is, I can also say that he's also very much a kid at heart. And um, I, I just I just can think back to this past Sunday la- last week where uh, we we took uh, one of my sons Caleb to their house to to hang out and to play, and uh, as my mom was taking care of Caleb, my dad comes up to me and says, uh, "Hey, JB, can you come upstairs with me?" And I wasn't really sure why, and I thought maybe there's something really serious you need to talk about, or maybe an issue that was on his mind. But he came, he, he 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 took me upstairs to the very top floor of the of of the house. And uh, he took me into this room, and uh, he sat me down, and he turned on the TV, and he showed me a video game. It was a video game that he's been playing. He's actually playing God of War right now. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he was stuck on a part of that game. He's like, can you help me with this? He's like, uh, I, I don't know what to do here. Can you help me? 
And, and so for the next hour, we're sitting down side by side and we're trying to figure out this game. And I could tell that, you know, even though we didn't say anything, we, we, we try to be cool, we're guys, you know, we're just, we're men, we don't, we, we don't like to you know, disclose too much of our feelings sometimes. But I could tell that just sitting beside him, that deep down, this meant something to him. Is, and it's not simply that I could help him advance in the video game. Even more, it was this, this was time spent together with his son. And you know, it, it, it reminded me of times back maybe like you know, 25, uh, you know, 30 years ago when we would do that together. We'd sit down, we'd hang out. And, and here's the thing, is just as it delighted my dad's heart when I would give time towards something that mattered to him, I'm here to tell you, it delights the heart of your Heavenly Father when you give your time to a purpose that matters to your Heavenly Father. And see, in, in, let me tell you, in God's eyes, there is no cause that's more worthwhile, that's longer lasting, or that's closer to the heart of God than his house, his church. The church, the house of God, is called in the Bible the bride of Christ. It's the love of God's life, the one that God gave everything for. And so when you give toward God's purposes, and in particular, when you give toward God's church, you are giving toward the very thing that is closest to the heart of God. Exodus 35, what is it about? Exodus 35 is about God inviting his people to spend themselves on the building of what's closest to his heart. It's his house. And, and see, we're, we, we, we're not only helping God with the building of his house, but we're also his house himself. It's almost like you can imagine your own house and the furniture in your house, the couch or you know, the coffee table or the tiles on the floor coming to life and sprouting arms and feet and they actually take hammers and, and tools and they start helping to actually build the house and make it better. That's you and me. We, we are part of God's house. We are God's house. And yet at the same time, God calls us to help him in the building of his house. So if you believe that, say, Amen. And so speaking of that, I want to thank each and every one of you here at Thrive Church, watching online, who goes out of their way to give toward the building of God's house, toward the, the, toward the maintenance of God's house, toward giving you know, your tithes and your offerings faithfully and generously on behalf of all of us here at Thrive. You know, we want to thank you so much for the ways that you give. When you give, it makes such a huge difference. And if you haven't given in a while, I want to encourage you to consider giving. You can go to mythrive.info and give there. But the fact is this, when we give toward God's purposes, it helps us grow more like God in our character. It gives us a chance to be blessed ourselves, and it allows us to participate in something that matters to God, which delights God's heart in the process. See, now look at with me at Exodus 35, and we're going to highlight a few verses here, and that's why I want to encourage you to have a good Bible app, maybe a U version Bible app, or even better, you have a paper Bible in your hand, and I want to encourage you to do this, is why don't you highlight a, a, a couple things that I want to point out to you right now. Go, go to verse 5 of Exodus 35. What does it say? Exodus 35 verse 5 says, from what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze. Could you underline these words? Everyone who is willing. Would you underline right now? Everyone who is willing. Everyone say willing. Willing. Verse 21, drop down to verse 21 of Exodus 35. It says, and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them. Could you underline those words? Everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them. Could you underline that? And then while we're at it, why don't you drop down to verse 22. It says, all who were willing, men and women like came and brought gold jewelry of all kinds. They all present their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. Would you underline the words? All who were willing. Everyone say, all who were willing. Verse 26 says, and all the women who were willing and had the skill spun the goat hair. Would you underline in verse 26, all the women who were willing, everyone say willing. 
Verse 29, last verse, all the Israelite men and women who were willing brought to the Lord free will offerings for all the work the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. Would you underline the words, all the Israelite men and women who were willing. See, what is the word that over and over gets emphasized in Exodus 35, in which we just read over and over? It's the word willing. See, God's house, write this down, God's house is built on the willingness of people to give what they have. That's the way God's house is built. And it all starts with your heart and how willing your heart is. You could be the most talented person. You could be the most blessed person. But if there is no willingness in your heart to give of what you have, whatever talent you have will only stay buried in the sand of your heart and inside. And and as a result, everyone loses out. But on the other hand, you might feel like you don't have a lot. But if you, with a willing heart, give what you have, God honors it and he uses it to build his house and you are blessed in the process. If you believe us, say amen. See, Thrive Church would not be here today if it were not for people like yourselves who were willing to bring your treasure and to use your skills to make Thrive Church what it is today. And since it all starts with the heart, today I want to talk to you about four traps that you need to avoid if you want to be happy and effective in serving God and people for the long term. These are four of the most common mistakes I see leaders make, whether they're young or old. They're four mistakes that I've made in different ways in the past, and I want to help you avoid these mistakes because these are traps that will actually suck the willingness out of your heart to serve God and people. These are four traps of the heart because they attack your willingness to make a difference. They attract, they attack your willingness to use what you have for God's purposes. And so I, I want to show you what these four traps are. I hope you take some good notes today. I want you to, sh- I want to show you how you avoid these traps. And I also want to show you what do you do if you are, fa- if you've fallen into one of these traps. If you want your life to count this message for you, let's look at four traps to avoid when serving God and people. Trap number one. Trap number one is what I call the burnout trap. Everyone say the burnout trap. What's the burnout trap? The burnout trap is when I'm not willing to give myself regular rest. See, when I was 19 years old and I was a new Christian, I remember I was excited about serving God and serving people. It's something I enjoyed doing. I enjoyed very much. But the fact is this, is that I had this problem, which I couldn't say no. Is that, you know, I, you know, in part because I was excited to serve, but also in part because I wanted to please people and I didn't want to disappoint anyone. I had the toughest time saying no. And so I was like serving without breaks on. And, and it was one of those things where as much as I love serving God and people, when I started to not say no to anything, I got so incredibly busy. And with that busyness came stress. With that busyness came exhaustion. With that busyness, eventually over time, it was, it was almost like the joy of my life was starting to seep out and leak out of my heart. And all of a sudden, I started to forget what I was doing in the first place. I was drained. I was depressed. And there's even one point when I remember I was leading songs for this one kid's camp, and I had to, in the middle of that camp, it wasn't the wisest thing to do, and I don't recommend it, but I quit in the middle of that camp. I, I faxed in my resignation. And, you know, looking back, that was, a, that, that was a foolish thing to do. I should have talked to someone about it, should have gotten advice. But what was the point there? Is that at that point, I burnt out. And because I'd burnt out, because I'd never, you know, said no to anything, I ended up falling into this first trap called the burnout trap, where I wasn't willing to give myself any rest. And as a result, I wasn't nearly as effective as I could have been. Have you ever fallen into the burnout trap before? 
It's where you, you just don't say no to anything. You become overextended. You know, your energy is just like kind of going in all sorts of different places. You, you start losing your joy. You forget why you'd agreed to do this in the first place. It's like you're binge serving. You know, you're, you're binge serving until you just throw up and you just can't stand it anymore. See, how, how, do you, how do you avoid the burnout trap? Like, how do you get out of the burnout trap if you're in it today? See, contrary to what a lot of people think, the solution for most people who are in the burnout trap or who want to avoid the burnout trap is not to stop serving completely. That, that's just actually going from one extreme to another extreme. That's going from you know, serving without any breaks to not serving at all. And that's neither one is a healthy alternative. See, the key to avoiding the burnout trap is to schedule regular periods of rest into your weekly schedule. And see, it's no wonder that at the beginning of Exodus 35, before God calls his people to contribute to the building of his house, you know what he does? He says, I want you to have a habit. You know what that habit is? Every seventh day is a Sabbath day for you. Every seventh day is a day for you to rest, where you're not to do any work. You're not to light a fire. And, and, and it's one of those things where he even says it, verse one, read it with me. It says, Moses assembled the whole Israelite community and said to them, these are the things the Lord has commanded you to do. For six days, work is to be done, but the seventh day shall be your holy day, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it must be put to death. You're like, oh my God, that's really extreme. Like if I don't rest, I'm going to be put to death? Well, here's the thing. What's the lesson here is that God was so serious about wanting his people to rest that he said, you're going to die if you don't. Is that What's the lesson here is that when we refuse to schedule regular rest from our work, it's a slow form of suicide. It's that we're killing our own joy. We're killing and hampering our own effectiveness by not scheduling regular rest for ourselves. Here's a question today. When you look at your schedule, and how busy you are, whether it's with school or with work or taking care of kids or whatever it might be, do you, do you schedule regular rest for yourself so that you can be at your best? See, would you, would you write this down? To regularly be at your best, you regularly need to get rest. See, my, my day off is a Friday. And when I schedule regular rest on a Friday for myself, no matter how busy the week has been the past, the, the past six days, at least on that Friday, I get to recharge and I get to take a break. And it's, it's during that time on that Friday that's so crucial for me where my, my, my joy is restored, my energy is restored, my vision is restored, that I get to recharge and get renewed. Sometimes when things are really busy, I'm just, oh, let me just make it to Friday. Let me just get to Friday. It's because I've scheduled a regular break for myself. It's, a, it's something I've learned out of experience because I've been in the burnout trap before. And see, here's the thing. You weren't made to drive without breaks, so what makes, things, makes you think you can serve without breaks. See, Proverbs 25, 28 says it this way. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Is that, is, is what it's saying is that, you know, back in, in, in Solomon's time is that the walls of a city were its protection and the fact it's, it's, it's their security. And what's it saying is that when you have no self-control, when you can't say no, when you're all about pleasing people and winning people's approval at any cost and you won't say no, what's going to happen? You're like a city whose walls are broken down. You're like a house with no security system. You're going to be vulnerable to attack. You're going to be vulnerable to, you know, to, 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 and you're going to be defenseless because you're not giving yourself the protection that you need. If you believe that, say amen. Now, don't get me wrong. See, there will be times when you're serving God and serving people when you will feel stretched. 
And that's a good thing. We want to be stretched. That's how we grow. There are going to be times when you even feel pushed to your limit. And that can be a good thing because we want to grow. There are going to be times when you find, oh man, I'm working really hard. There might even be moments when you don't particularly enjoy what you're doing. There will even be times when you feel like, man, I've poured myself completely out and I've got nothing left. And see, here's the thing. All of these can be very good, healthy, God-pleasing things. That's you training and developing spiritual muscles and getting stronger. But what is not good and what is not healthy and what is not God-pleasing is when you serve at a pace where you, on an ongoing basis, have no time to rest. And, and see, you were not made to do it that way. You weren't made to, uh, to, to, to serve God in this really intense way for, say, three months, and then all of a sudden you crash, and then for the next three years, you're just out of commission. That, that's, an, that's a really ineffective way to serve. Instead, God made you to work and to rest and to have that rhythm in your life. And, and, and so part of that is about learning to say no. If you have trouble saying no, you just have to learn to say no. Everyone say no. Turn to your neighbor and say no. Sometimes you just have to say no. And, and we hate that word sometimes. We hate saying it. We hate hearing it. But sometimes you have to say it. Instead, of, you know, sometimes it's about scheduling regular breaks for yourself. You know, as one pastor I, I look up to says, he says, every, like, every day you want to divert daily. You want to withdraw weekly. You want to abandon annually. And, every, and so and in other words, every day even you need a break. Every week you need a break. Every year you need a vacation. That's, that's, that, that's how we give our ourselves the rest that we need. Turn neighbor and say, you need rest. You need rest. And everyone said, amen. We all need rest. That's the first trap to watch out for. It's the burnout trap. Here's the second trap to watch out for. It's the other extreme. It's called the overly guarded trap. Are you in that trap today? What is the overly guarded trap? It's when I'm not willing to take a risk and try something new. See, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you see maybe you're, we're at the back of the church building and you see someone who's got something heavy and they're like, oh, can you hold the door for me can, so I can carry this in? You're, you're like, uh, let me pray about it and I'll get back to you next week. Or, or, or you know, oh, oh can, can you help me carry this? Oh, sorry, that's not my calling. Right. See, what is it? That's the overly guarded trap. Is that, you know, and, and people can find themselves falling into the overly guarded trap for different reasons. Maybe you fell into the burnout trap. And so your natural response is now to go the complete other extreme, which is, I'm not going to do anything for anyone anymore. I, I'm, I'm just overly guarded. Right? Maybe it's because you're a perfectionist and you're afraid of failing, and so you don't want to try anything new. Or maybe it's because you've got a special vision for the way you want to serve God, and if there's an opportunity that comes anywhere close to what you, the way you want to serve God, you're like, oh, forget it. I don't want to do that. I, want to hold do- I don't want to hold doors for people. You know, that's, that's not my calling. And see, what's the result of being overly guarded? Write this down. When you are overly guarded, you can't grow. When you are overly guarded, you can't move forward. See, in addition, when you are overly guarded, you're going to find that over time, if you are overly guarded long enough, you're going to develop the, the reputation for being someone who is hard to work with. And when, 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 you feel like, when it feels like it's like pulling teeth to get you to do anything, and eventually people will start passing you by, saying, oh, they're, they're, they're going to say no anyways. And so as a result, opportunities will slip through your fingers. And maybe you think, well, I'm, I'm too busy, man. You know, I've got, a, I've got a business to take care of. I've got a job. I've got a family to take care of. Let me remind you today, you are a priest in God's kingdom. You might be in the clothes of a, of, uh, of a realtor, of a pharmacist, of a student, uh, of you know, a stay-at-home parent, but deep down, underneath all those clothes, you are a priest in God's kingdom. You weren't made to be a spectator who's just watching other people serve or being served yourself, but you were made to serve God. Amen. 
And, and if you're not, then there's a part of you, a part of your calling, a part of your A-E-I-U calling that is missing. See, the overly guarded trap is a really deceptive trap. Because on one hand, when we are overly guarded, we think we're protecting ourselves. We think we're doing something really smart by you know, putting up so many guards around people and guards around opportunities. But actually, if we're not careful, the overly guarded trap becomes a cage that we put ourselves in where we can't move forward anymore. We're caged where we can't go forward, we can't grow. We think we're protecting ourselves when in fact that overly guarded cage is actually keeping you from your destiny. If you believe us, say amen. See, are you in the overly guarded trap today? Look at Proverbs twenty-two thirteen. This is an example of the overly guarded trap. What does it say? It says in the Living Bible Translation, the lazy man is full of excuses. I can't go to work, he says. If I go outside, I might meet a lion in the street and be killed. See, what's it talking about? It's saying that sometimes the overly guarded trap comes in the form of we're just, fear, we're just afraid that things are going to go wrong. We're afraid that this is going to go wrong or we're going to fail in that way. And see, here's the thing. For as long as you live in the overly guarded trap, you will never move forward. You will never, you will never grow. So how do you avoid that? How do you avoid the overly guarded trap? How do you get out of the overly guarded trap if you're in it? Here's one way you can do it. Realize you will never grow without taking a risk for God's purposes. That you need to take a risk. In fact, they, they, they say that you spell faith, R-I-S-K. Faith is spelt R-I-S-K. It's taking a risk. That's why I'm so proud of so many of the people in our church who in this COVID-19 season, when a lot of people are inclined just to hide away and to shield themselves from everybody, that we've brought people in our church who've stepped up to the plate and started doing things that they've never done before. They've taken a risk. They've started leading songs in a way that they hadn't before. They start you know, you know, volunteering in ways that they haven't before. They start doing care calls to, to elderly people in our community that they haven't done before. And, and that, 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 what is that? That is saying, I don't want to be overly guarded. I also don't want to be in the burnout phase. I don't want to be in either trap. But what I want to do is I want to be effective in the way I serve God. I want to grow. Amen. And each one of those people have grown, and we're so proud of them. And if that's you, if you've been living in the overly guarded trap for too long, can I encourage you? Go to mythrive.info and sign up for our Thrive Serving Team. We love to see you there because the fact is this, even in this COVID-19 season, when we're doing church in a different way online, there are still opportunities to serve. There are still opportunities to make a difference. And so make sure that you are not overly guarded. Amen. Turn your and say, don't be overly guarded. Don't be overly guarded. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 6. It says this. It says, you can never please God without faith, without depending on him. Anyone who wants to come to God must believe that there is a God and that he rewards those who sincerely look for him. See, the burnout trap and the overly guard trap, they are opposites. You, you fall into one by not being careful enough. You cage yourself in on the other by being too careful. And what we want to do is walk right in between those two traps. We want to find a balance between how much we risk and how much we protect. Are you learning something here in this place today, church? Praise God. Trap number three. What's the third trap we're talking about today? It's what I call the leftovers trap. What's the leftovers trap? See, the leftovers trap is when I give God my scraps instead of my best. See, people with the leftovers trap have a tendency to view the church in the wrong way. Is that people in the leftovers trap see the church as a dumpster where they throw their trash away. So it's all, you know, I'm moving uh, and, you know, I've got these old, used, dilapidated, torn up high school binders. Uh, hmm, instead of get, turning them over to 1-800-JUNK, you know, well, maybe I'll, I'll, just, I'll, I'll just give it to the church. 
Just give it to the church. Maybe Pastor JB can, can, can put his sermon outlines in these old dilapidated binders that hardly, you know, that, that can't even stay together. That'll, that'll save me some time and some money, and maybe it'll help the church too. You, or or you, maybe you've got some old clothes from the 1980s that you don't want to wear anymore. Instead of, you know, you know lugging them out, you're like, oh, yeah, you, you, hey, let's, let's just give it to the church. Maybe the staff can wear these clothes, right? And, and see, what is that? See, thank you, but no thanks. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. See, don't get me wrong. You know, I, I've watched enough storage wars on TV to know that sometimes you can find gold in a junk pile. Uh, Pastor Tim, for example, uh, lives in a condo where there's a, a common uh, garbage room. And, and you know, there's been a couple times now where he's gone to the garbage room and he's found gold. Not literally gold, but some really awesome things. He found these two electric fans. And in our building, we can definitely use some fans. And so he, he brought these two electric fans from his condo complex garbage, garbage room. And he's like, hey, can you guys use us? And we're like, absolutely, bring them over. Or, or we had this one very generous couple who recently donated a ping pong table for us. So now we have got a ping pong table here on site at the Thrive Center. And, 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 so, and, and this is the thing. It, it, I, we appreciate all those ways that people go out of their way to generously give from what they have. But let me tell you this. If you think that the church is this place where you can just kind of give away the junk that nobody wants, you've got the wrong view of the church. See, in Exodus 35, when you read about the kind of material that God provides for his house— Look at that material. Look at the list in Exodus 35 of the, of the material that he calls for. It's not junk. It's not leftovers. It's excellent material. It's gold. It's silver. It's bronze. It's fine linen. It's precious jewels. It's the work of a skilled craftsman. Of a skilled craftsman. See, God uses expensive and excellent material to build his house. Amen. And see, that's why God tells us to give him our best and to give him our first. That's why we're called to tithe, which is to take the, the, not the last, but the first portion, that first 10% of our income and give it to God. That's why he tells the Israelites that the first fruits belong to me. That's the first part of your harvest. Give it to me. The firstborn in your family belongs to me. If you want it back, if you want that firstborn back, you need to pay for it. It's because the first part belongs to God. And, and see, and, and see, when we have that kind of mentality, not, oh, I'm going to give God the leftovers, but I, I'm going to give God the first part. God, get, God adds everything we need, and he also builds his church through us. Amen? See, what, what's another example of the leftovers trap? Another example of the leftovers trap would be you, you said yes to serving. Maybe you, you said, oh, I, I'm going to lead a game for a small group, or I'm going to sing with a band, but then you don't take any time to prepare. You come late when you're supposed to. Uh, you know, you're disorganized. And, and the things that you should have thought through in your own private time getting ready for this, you know, you're now kind of figuring out in front of everybody. See, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there's no room for failure or mistakes. I make mistakes all the time when I'm serving. I make mistakes all the time. But, but it's, it's, it's not about never making a mistake or never failing. But what it's about, it's about your attitude. It's about saying, am I giving God my best or am I giving God just the leftovers, the scraps, just like a mediocre effort? See, how do you get out of the leftovers trap or how do you avoid the leftovers trap? Here it is. Never forget how much God cares for his church. Never forget the way God sees the church. See, for God, the church is not a junkyard. The church is not even just some charity that we give to when we have time. You know, or, or it, it, but it's, the, the, the church is the house of God. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is the love of God's life. Jesus gave his best. He even gave his life for the church. And because Jesus gave his best for us, we want to give our best to him. If you believe us, say amen. Would you give God your best right? Oh, come on. Give God a big, big hand here in place right now. Give God a big shout in this place. Amen. 
you know, four words that I've shared with our worship band who are responsible for the music in our church and so thankful for them. Four words that I've shared with them are not don't fall for it. That, that's the title of today's sermon, but it's from Psalm 66, verse 2. It's make his praise glorious. Psalm 66, verse 2 says, make his praise glorious. We don't just want to give God mediocre praise, half-hearted praise, leftover praise after we've spent the best of it on ourselves doing other things. We want to give God our very best. We want to make his praise glorious. Would you turn to your and say, make his praise glorious? Make his praise glorious. That's the third trap, the leftovers trap. Final trap we're going to talk about today, I call it the discouragement trap. The discouragement trap. What's the discouragement trap? The discouragement trap is when I let discouragement disable my willingness to serve God. See, maybe you're in that place today. Maybe you're discouraged because you keep comparing yourself to someone that you're not, and you think, oh, I'll never be that person. I'll never be as good as them. I'll never be as skilled as them. Why well, should even try? Maybe that's you today. Or maybe you're discouraged because you've seen some disappointing results, and, and you've, you, you've been trying hard, but you, you, the results are not what you want, and, and you wonder if what you do makes any difference at all, and, and you feel like, man, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I should even go forward with this. You know, and maybe it's for you, it's like, it's just, just a very silent time. Maybe with COVID-19, you're just, you're not getting the responses that you hope. Maybe a lack of encouragement has been discouraging to you. Maybe you're discouraged because you feel like you tried really hard and yet you failed. You know, maybe you're discouraged because you were hurt in the process, even while you were trying, that someone hurt you in the process. Maybe someone who didn't tend to, intend to, or maybe tried to, and you think, man, I don't want to go through that again. And see, here, you know, once an interview asked uh, Pastor Rick Warren, who's the pastor of Saddleback Church, one of the most influential churches in, uh, in the United States and around the world. He says, have you ever wanted to quit being the pastor of Saddleback Church? And Pastor Warren said, yeah, every Monday morning. Every Monday morning. It's because we all get to that place of being discouraged. And, and, and what do you do when you're in that discouragement trap? See, here's a few things that I encourage you to do. If you're in that trap today, a few things that we want to do if you're in the discouragement trap. Number one is when you're discouraged, bring your discouragement to God. You know, I, I have this journal that I keep. It's not a written journal. I, I used to write all of my, you know, all my journals in this, you know, in, in these little booklets that you can get from London Drugs, you know, the ones that you, like high school and grade school students use. But I've, I've learned to now use it on my computer so that I can search it and I can go, kind of go back. And, and that's been really cool because, you know, I, when, if, I, if I go to my journal, I just search the word discouraged. <laughs> Do you know how much I find in my journal? I find a lot of stuff. I find, you know, back in 2014, go, oh, I'm so discouraged. You know, in 2016, I was, oh, I'm discouraged. And, and, and there, I, I remember, like, it, it was one of those things where I, 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 like, looking back, if you didn't remind me, I would have forgotten about those times. But I can tell you that there were times back in, like, 2016 of October, November, when, all, like, like, I guess, you know, apparently things were, things were going well from the outside. But for me, I was really discouraged. And, and there were certain things that weren't happening the way I wanted, and, and I'd be talking to God about it. And this is the thing, is that I'm so thankful, not just for the fact that I've got a record of me talking to God about it, but that I talked to God about it. Is that I had an op- is that, because what, what happens is that when you bring your discouragement to God, you are bringing your discouragement to the ultimate encourager. You're bringing your discouragement to the, to the one who can help you more than anyone. When you bring your discouragement to God, you give God the room to speak into your life and breathe new life into you. That's why it's so important to bring your discouragement to God. Praise God that we can come to God just as we are. Amen? We don't have to hide. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to wear a mask. We can bring our burdens to God. He is the God who daily bears our burden. If you believe that, say amen. So bring your discouragement to God. If you don't know how to do that on your own, talk to someone. Go to your small group, talk to someone. Go to your leader, talk to someone. Because when you bring your discouragement to God, you give God the room to speak new life and encouragement into you. Another thing when you're discouraged, when you're discouraged, remember to celebrate the good things. 
Remember to celebrate the good things. See, when you're in the discouragement trap, you, it's, the discouragement trap is going to make you want to think that there's nothing good going on. That there's nothing good happening right now. And see, that's why you need to make the intentional choice to say, in the midst of my discouragement, I'm going to celebrate the good things. I'm going to focus on the good things. I'm going to choose what we call a thrive, an attitude of gratitude. Because you're going to find this, is that when you're discouraged by your circumstances, that doesn't mean there's nothing good going on. That means that your focus is on everything that's wrong. If you would choose an attitude of gratitude, you're going to find that actually there are still things to be thankful for. There's still good things going on, and they'll keep you from the delusions that discouragement wants to bring. You're going to find that when you choose an attitude of gratitude and you remember to celebrate the good things, it'll keep you afloat when, you're, you're, when, you're, when your discouragement wants to make you sink. That's the second thing. One, another thing, when you're discouraged, hang on and keep on doing the right thing. Turn to your neighbor and say, hang on. Tell them, tell them again, hang on. Hang on and keep on doing the right thing. See, the Bible says that righteousness and peace go together. And, and part of that, one layer of meaning to that verse is that if you want to have peace, you need to do the right thing. And oftentimes in our discouragement, we're very tempted to do the wrong thing. So oftentimes we're tempted to quit. We're tempted to give up. We're tempted to take a shortcut because we're discouraged. And, and see, here's the thing, is that when you're discouraged, it's so important that despite the feeling of discouragement that you feel, hang on to doing what is good. Because when you do what is good, you will remember righteousness and peace go together. When you do the right thing and you hang on doing that, peace is part of your lot. You experience peace in the process. And, and, and see, you know, when we quit and we do the wrong thing in our discouragement, we only make our discouragement worse. We actually just make, we, we just multiply our discouragement. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says it this way. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. See, I, I, th this verse is a famous verse. I remember, you know, in, in Sunday school, going to church, I wasn't a Christian at the time, but I remember memorizing this verse and I found it incredible how so often life kind of just boils back down to Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, i.e., do the right thing. Acknowledge him. Do it his way, and he will make your path straight. And see, with that in mind about him making your path straight, here's a, here's a fourth thing you want to do when you're discouraged. When you're in the discouragement trap, when you're discouraged, trust that God is not finished with your story. He will make your path straight. You know, your, your, your path might not feel that straight right now. It might be a really bumpy road right now. But if you will trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. In other words, God is not finished with your story. God is not done with you. In those times when I would be discouraged, in, in those moments, you know, it, like, it would be one of those things where in the moment, I could, I, all I could see was the discouragement. But then if I would just hang on, do the right thing, choose an attitude of gratitude, keep on going, bring these things to God, and just kind of persevere step by step. You know, it's not overnight, but just a process. Step by step, you're doing these things. Over time, I could look back and go, God was writing a greater story. You know, in those times in 2016 when I felt like quitting, or 2014 when I felt like quitting, and, you know, and, and, and I had to fight that feeling, you know, I'm so glad that I did, because it was one of those things, if, if I had quit at any one of those points, I would have missed every good thing that God wanted to do in and through us and our church, and that wouldn't have been worth it, amen? See, the thing is, the enemy, the Bible says, has an agenda for your life. 
And the, the enemy wants, to, wants to, to kill, steal, and destroy your life. And when it comes to the discouragement trap, let me tell you this. The enemy has an agenda for your life. He wants you to die in the place of your discouragement. That's his agenda for your life. He wants you to basically die because you're so discouraged. But see, God knows the plans he has for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Discouragement is only a trap. Don't fall for it. God made you, when you face discouragement, to show you that there is life after death. There is joy after the sorrow. There is hope even in the hard times. So don't give up. Keep on doing what's right. Keep on doing the good thing. Hang on. Trust God. Amen? Oh, come on. Give God a big, big hand here this place right now. Trust God. Keep an attitude of gratitude. Celebrate the good things. Bring those tough feelings to God because when you do and you hang on, you're going to see that God was writing a greater story than anything that you could write for yourself. Amen. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 to 39 says it this way. It says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and not, and not delay. And by my righteous one, will we'll live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. You weren't made to die in the place of your discouragement. You were made to rise up from it, to become stronger than you've ever been before, so you can say the best is yet to come. Oh, come on, give God a big, big hand here this place right now. Amen. You know, when you read Exodus 35, you want to keep in mind that God is giving the Israelites an opportunity to serve him even after they'd failed in such a major way. You remember what happened is just three chapters before what we talked about last week and what Pastor Tim taught on is that in Exodus 32, three chapters before, the Israelites had taken what they have and instead of using it to serve God, instead of giving it to God's purposes, instead they took it, they made an idol of it, they bowed down before breaking the first two commandments to not have any gods before the Lord and to not make any idols. God could have wiped them out all completely. He could have blotted them all out of his book. But instead, he decided, I'm going to blot their sins out of my book instead. I want to keep the people. I want to take away the sins. And, the, and, the, and, and, and it goes, just goes to show that in those times of our discouragement, God is our greatest encourager. And in the same way, when we had broken God's laws and when we had broken God's heart by doing, saying, and thinking things that we shouldn't have done, said, and thought, the fact is God could have easily wiped us out. In fact, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, that we deserved to be wiped out. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, is that when we deserve to be wiped out because of our sin, God said, I don't want to wipe you out. I don't want to blot you out of my book. Instead, I'm going to blot your sins out by sending Jesus Christ, who's going to live the perfect life that none of us could live. Then he's going to die on the cross to pay for your sins so that your sins can be forgiven. And then on the third day, he rose again to show that you can trust Jesus as your Savior and that those who trust in him not only are forgiven, but they have eternal life. Oh, come on, give God a big, big hand here this place right now. That's the love of God for you and for me with God, there's always a second chance. With God, there's always a 77th chance. With God, there is unlimited mercy. And so we can come to him knowing that in our discouragement, he is the God who lifts us up again. Amen. Second Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17 says it this way. It says, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace, that means his undeserved kindness, gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. If you're discouraged today, God is here saying, I want to encourage you.
If you're discouraged today, God is here to say, let me lift you up. If you're discouraged today, God is here to say, the best is yet to come. You know, Joshua 1.9 says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Oh, speaking of which, you know, since God has forgiven you and he's forgiven me, who is someone in your life that maybe you need to forgive? Maybe the reason you're so discouraged is because you hold bitterness in your heart against someone. And for the longest time, that person might be dead now. They might be in the grave, and even in the grave, they're controlling your life because you continue to hold this grudge against them. And I believe God was telling you, you don't have to live in that place of discouragement anymore, in that place of bitterness. You can let that go. Forgive that person. That doesn't mean you have to trust that person all over again. That simply means you relinquish the right to get even, and you give those angry feelings to God so that God can take it. You don't have to have that anymore. And when you do that, you start to step out of that discouragement trap. Have you learned something in this place today? Today, we've been looking at four ministry traps that we can so easily fall into when serving God and people if we're not careful. Let's review. What's the first trap? It's the burnout trap, that when I'm not willing to give myself the regular rest that I need. And if that's you, it's time to change your lifestyle. It's time to change your habits. It's time to start practicing a Sabbath. It's time to start saying no. It's time to build in regular rest into your life so you can be maximum effect- at maximum effectiveness in the way you serve God and serve people. There's secondly, the overly guarded trap, which is when I'm not willing to take a risk. I'm not willing to try something new. It's time, if you're in that trap, it's time to get out of that cage time to get out of that trap and take a risk, knowing that that's how you're going to grow. And that when you do, when you take that risk, other people will be blessed in the process. There's thirdly, the leftovers trap. When I only give God my scraps instead of my best, it's time to realize that God loves his church with everything he has. And so we want to give God our best when we serve. Third, there's the, or fourth, there's the discouragement trap. Is when I let discouragement disable my willingness to serve. You got to realize if you're in that trap today, God is here. You can bring your discouragement to him. He's writing a greater story with your life than anything you could imagine. So keep an attitude of gratitude. Remember the good things he's done and do the right thing. Trust that in his time, he will make all things beautiful. Amen. Which of these four traps are you most prone to falling into? Which ones have you fallen into? Well, today I believe God's uh, word for us is to say you don't need to live in those traps anymore. You can live serving God joyfully enjoying what you do effectively with maximum effectiveness and not just for a short season, but for the long term. When you do that, not only do you, are you blessed, but you will be a blessing and you will find hope in hard times. Praise God. Well, can we give God a big, big hand here in this place right now? Oh, come on. There's more than you know that. Come on. Give God a big hand, big shout today right now. You guys are awesome. You're a beautiful church inside and out. Let's just pray together right now as we respond to God with every head bowed and every eye closed today. We want to pray for those of you who realize that uh, there are some things that you've said, things that you've done, things that you've thought that you know are things you need forgiveness for. Maybe it's something you said this morning. Maybe it's something you did last night. I'm here to let you know that God's love for you is an unconditional love. Maybe the thing you need forgiveness for is not something recent. Maybe it's something from a long time ago. Maybe it's a whole history of stuff. Maybe it's a secret bad habit that, 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 that still haunts you today. I'm here to let you know there's forgiveness because Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. 
And so if you will need to receive that forgiveness today, I just want to encourage you to respond to God. It's as simple as praying a prayer. If that's you and you need to, you need God's forgiveness today, I would encourage you just to hit that button on your screen that says, I commit my life to Jesus. That's just another way of saying, God, I need your forgiveness. And why don't you just lift up your hand as well? Why don't you click that button? Or you can just lift up your hand. And why don't you pray this prayer with me? If you need God's forgiveness, let the height of your hands reflect how much you need God right now. Why don't you pray this prayer with me together? You say, Dear Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross to pay for my sins, that you rose again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart. Please come in. Forgive me of your, my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer and you meant that from your heart, we'd love you to just touch that button that says, I commit my life to Jesus, if you see that. Or you can text the word new, or sorry, not new, but believe to 604-285-5770. And if you prayed that prayer from your heart, the fact is you are, according to the Bible, a child of God. You are a citizen of heaven. You are forgiven of your sins. You're a priest in God's kingdom, not because of the good things that we've tried to be or do, but all because of the undeserved, unconditional, unchanging, amazing love of God. Come on, give God a big, big hand in this place right now. Let's thank God for his forgiveness. Let's thank God for a second chance. Let's thank God for his unconditional love. Lastly, right now, I want to just, before we hand the time to our worship band leads in a song, I just want to pray for those who here who find that you are in one of these traps that we've talked about today, or you know that there's a trap in your life that we've talked about today that you need to really try to avoid. And uh, maybe it's the discouragement trap. Maybe it's the, you know, it's the leftovers trap. Maybe it's the overly guarded trap. You've just been overly guarded with your life, and as a result, you don't take any risks, and you say no a lot, and unnecessarily so. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you're in the burnout trap, or you're close to it. I'm here to ask you right now to respond to God, because he, he's here to lead you in a better way. If that's you, why don't you lift up your hand to God today, and let the height of your hands reflect how much you need him. Let it be just as a response to say, God, I need you. I don't want to fall into any one of these traps, but I want to serve you with effectiveness and with long longevity and with joy. And if that's you right now, why don't you start talking to God from your heart. In your own words, just start talking. Don't wait for me to stop talking. You just start talking to God. Don't worry about your neighbor. It doesn't concern them. Just start talking to God in this place right now. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Praise you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. That's it. Just start talking to God from your heart. In your own words, just start talking to God. He's here. He loves you. He's listening. Thank you, Jesus. Praise your name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, our Savior, our King, our Rescuer, our Deliverer, our Restorer, our best example, our best friend, our Rescuer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, the reason why we live, the one we live for. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Let me just pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much that on this very special Father's Day, we can be reminded of the unconditional, unchanging love of our Heavenly Father for us. That you know the plans you have for every single person here. Plans to prosper them and not to harm them. Plans to give them hope and a future. Because of that, we know you don't want us to fall into the discouragement trap. You don't want us to live in the leftovers trap. You didn't make us to be in the overguarded trap. You certainly didn't make us to be in the burnout trap. But Father, thank you that you made us to live in the glory of your presence. You made us to live serving you with joy, with effectiveness, and with for the long term. And so with that in mind, I just pray all of your blessing, wisdom, strength, courage, faith, protection, 
your presence, your promise, your provision, healing, comfort, strength to fill every single person here as we look to serve you with our lives, as we look to serve you and serve people. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Right now I'm going to ask our band to lead us in a song. Let's give our very best to God as we worship him right now. Praise God. Stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never. 
time can we give God a big hand a big shout in this place right now oh come on give God all of your praise today let's pray one last time together Heavenly Father we want to thank you so much for every single person here who's watching our service today thank you father that you've called them to be alive and to worship Jesus you've called them to be expectant to grow more like Jesus you've called them to be involved and to serve Jesus with what you've given them you've called them to be out loud and to lead others to Jesus because your love is too great for us to contain on our own you called us to be united and to love our spiritual family your church the love of your life and so it was with that great calling in mind that we pray all of your blessing on every single person here in particular we pray for all the dads in this place on this very special father's day we pray and give you thanks for them we thank you so much for the difference they've made in the lives of their family in their children and even their grandchildren in some cases even their great-grandchildren in some cases and we pray father that your blessing would rest upon them and every generation after them we thank Thank you so much for being our Heavenly Father who never leaves us or forsakes us, who gives us everything we need, by whom we can say the best is yet to come. We thank you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as we close off our service, a couple of things we're going to do. First off, if you call Thrive Church your home church, or you just believe in the work that God is doing here, it's time to give. Let's give our faithful tithes, our generous offerings. Know that when we seek God's kingdom first, he adds what? He adds everything we need. And so thank you so much for giving. You can go to mythrive.info and give there. We love to see you later on today at our Thrive drive through For more on that and other stuff coming up, I'm going to hand it back to our online host. Have an amazing Sunday, guys. We'll hopefully see you at the drive-thru later on today. Love you guys so much. Praise God. The best is yet to come. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you, Pastor JV, for the powerful message. Before I let you guys go, I have a few announcements. If it's your first time here, you are VIP, so let us know by texting NEW at 604-285-5770, and we will mail you your very own Thrive Stainless Steel water bottle. And if you made the choice to receive Jesus Christ into your life today, congratulations, we have a gift package prepared especially for you, as well as a series of videos that may answer some questions that you have about Christianity. Just simply text BELIEVE at 604-285-5770. We all love a good drive-thru. I know I'm a very frequent visitor of drive-thru, so Thrive Church is having their very first drive-thru Sunday, which is happening today between 3 to 5 p.m. So drive by our Thrive parking lot for a free hot dog and drink. Dads, we have a special gift prepared especially for you. 
So for more information, visit mythrive.info slash drive-thru. Zoom prayer meetings are happening every Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. Join us for a time of prayer and worship. For more information, visit our Facebook and our Instagram. So that's it for this week. I hope you all have a great rest of the week. Happy Father's Day. I hope to see you all at the drive-thru. Don't forget to give your tithes and offerings. And I'll see you all again next week at Thrive Church Online.